Welcome to Outliers. Over past year, we have been bringing individual outliers to this conversation. And it's been quite inspiring. This is the first time we are picking a company as an outlier. And that is AngelList. If you are working in the startup world or in a technology company, you would definitely have heard of AngelList as a platform where some of the most disruptive startups, uh, including Uber, uh, not just got funding, but also deep connects with potential hires, uh, co-founders, and so on. It's a fascinating story, but it cannot be only told through one individual. You would all have heard of the famous uh, founder of AngelList, Naval Ravikant. In fact, over past two weeks, uh, you know, it's fascinating to watch the kind of commentaries he shares on Twitter about life and of course getting rich. But AngelList is not only about Naval. AngelList is a lot more about different functions including design, technology, business that come together to build the engine that AngelList is famous for. So in this special episode of Outliers, we are going to bring you conversations with uh, Sumuk Sridhara, Jake Zeller, Kevin Laws, Ryan Hoover and of course Naval Ravikant to give you a sense of how AngelList works. With Naval, we of course do a bit of crystal uh, ball gazing and try and understand uh, what does he see as the future for AngelList. It, it's actually been quite a learning journey for me personally over past few months getting these conversations and capturing the insights. I'm sure you will enjoy it. Do write back and look up Factor Daily Outliers podcast. Thanks for listening. Angelus could stumble. Angelus could fall. But I don't think that'll be because technology stops being interesting. That would be more just our mistake. Thanks for doing this podcast, Naval. And uh, I had some very good conversations with your other colleagues at AngelList. Uh, the story mm-hmm. I'm trying to put together, Naval, is about AngelList and its future. And mm-hmm. while I have tried to, uh, you know, get a sense of it, uh, you know, you know, by doing different conversations with other folks, I thought I'll 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 try and understand from you, uh, you know, as to your view of future as as you see when it comes to uh, AngelList. Uh, so I think a good uh, starting point, Naval, I feel, would be to go back to the original mission uh, of when you started AngelList, why and how, and then maybe we can get back to where it's headed. Yeah, the mission has always been to help technology startups with uh, their most difficult tasks. And fundraising is a very difficult task. So. Uh, opening that up, making it more transparent, making it easier, uh, making it understood uh, has always been part of the core mission, uh, going back to the Venture Hacks days when we were blogging about it before we were actually doing something about it. Uh, and then, of course, we added the talent recruiting platform later, which helps companies recruit top talent. And then we bought Product Hunt and integrated them in, so we now help people also launch products. Basically, if you're a tech startup, uh, Ideally, you want to be focusing as much of your effort on building 
and marketing your unique product as possible. And there should be resources to help people do the other things. And traditionally, those resources come from your investors who are great and can be very helpful, but are also limited in their ability just because they're individuals or small funds. And with something like AngelList, you can have a platform, you can bring the power of the internet to bear. And especially where there's a matching problem, like matching a customer with a product or matching a candidate candidate with a with a company or matching an investor with a financing round, uh, then the internet really excels in these matching problems. So AngelList has always been about trying to help technology startups solve their biggest problems, uh, helping them do that do that through the internet at scale, uh, and having a focus on the matching engines that that make it possible. Hmm. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think that 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 sums it up well, Naval. Uh, the other question is, Naval, how do you keep relevant, uh, you know, when it comes to angel list? Of, of course, I'll, I'll come back uh, to you after this question to, to understand, uh, you know, how do you do this as an entrepreneur and as an individual? But from angel list point of view, Naval, how do you, how have you helped it stay relevant? Yeah, you know, relevance just means you you change with the times. Uh, you don't create the times; you change with them. Uh, or maybe some companies create the times, but we don't. Uh, probably the biggest example is we saw, you know, we we democratized and helped create an on- online fundraising platform back in 2013. But we saw that by 2016, um, there was a new online fundraising mechanism emerging called ICOs, and it was ext- it was very different than classic venture fundraising. It's kind of a wild west free for all, uh, which has its upsides and downsides. And so we created uh, co-created CoinList, and we spun that out as its own company. Uh, and that helps companies that are raising money in a decentralized network context that are building a blockchain-based network. Uh, and we basically help them with compliance and regulation and investors and with distributing security tokens even to non-investors. So CoinList now has an ICO product for fundraising. CoinList, CoinList has Comply API for compliance. Uh, and CoinList has uh, airdrops for uh, distributing tokens to uh, you know in a in a legal format, and so uh, Coinless, for example, has handled the fundraisers for Filecoin, for Blockstack, uh, the airdrop for Definity, and compliance for hundreds of projects. Um, and so that's something we just created uh, last year. Um, and so you know it's an example of how we try and stay relevant. The year before that, we acquired Product Hunt. Uh, to help companies launch their products. So that was another example of how to, how to stay relevant. The venture industry actually, you know, in, in some sense it moves slowly, but in another sense it moves fast because it's, it's made up of startups and startups are always innovating on, on every dimension, including how they source capital. And so uh, to some extent, we, we have to also just keep changing to stay relevant. But it's, it's a hard problem. You know, any tech startup faces this problem. Uh, but Angel is especially so because the infrastructure of innovation is always changing as well. Hmm. You you don't predict any kind of a death of angel investing uh, because if you if you talk about the bigger VCs and and with what's happening, uh, you know if you look at uh, the whole Vision Fund or, or the way SoftBank people are you know all kinds of speculations. So when it comes comes to future of investing or venture investing or angel investing. Uh, do you think there's going to be an end to it as we see it today? There can't be. Uh, having an end to venture investing would mean an end to technology. Uh, the the form of it may change, uh, but in real but but the 
the actual substance of the act of you know funding technology entrepreneurs to go and create the next generation of technology that's not going to change now there are times when angel investing may be more profitable or less profitable depending on how crowded it is um, but that's classic for every market uh, you know there sometimes is better sometimes is worse it's very hard to say with angel investing though because what you're really predicting is you're trying to predict outcomes that, that are 10 years out in the most dynamic industry in the world and that's just very difficult to do so even there are times in the past like 2010 was widely considered a terrible time to be an angel investor because people were keying off of 2006 and 2007 um, and by 2010 it seemed the valuations were high and it was crowded but that's when you know the 2010 to 2013 cohort is when companies like uber and airbnb and uh you know coinbase and others were born so it, it's just really really hard to say how things are going to play out and what happens when you look at a market like india novel a lot of companies from across the world have at different points in time looked at india uh, tried and conquered it in their own ways and we are still watching some of those you know experiments very closely but when it comes to angel list and you what were you yeah. really thinking when you when you came into india india is just a really important market uh you know it's the largest democracy in the world it's one of the largest nations in the world um it's english speaking it's the largest english speaking nation in the world um so uh, and it has an enormous number of stem graduates and technologists and a lot of people who are really hungry to make a difference and make change um so uh, and, and we see evidence of this when we launch angelist talent for example even though we never did any marketing or positioning in india it rapidly grew to be our second largest market after the us and some metrics is number 1 um so there there's just a propensity to adopt good english speaking software and tools from the indian tech community so i i i continue to think india is extremely promising i mean right now we're living through the age of china ascendant when china has gone from being a uh you know essentially a third world country to being a first world transition towards being a first world country um with a massive population and i think india is going to going going to go through the same transition or maybe has already started that transition um so i i think it's really exciting that you have an english speaking uh massive democracy uh which values education has a stem background uh that is making that transition now it's obviously been slower than all of us would have liked uh but it looks like you know the the giant may be awakening uh, i i'm not a macro guy i can't predict exactly when it's happen when it's going to happen but it doesn't also it also doesn't need to all happen at once you know you can have pockets uh emergent like you have in in tech uh hubs uh in various parts of india uh i think india's issue has always been that it's just historically been held back by regulations and bureaucracy <laughs> and unfortunately that doesn't seem to be getting that much better although it does seem to be improving a bit um but i think also the internet is a great leveling field right when people are on the internet and they see oh this is happening in that country why can't we do that over here uh then i think that also accelerates things so i get, i have the feeling that because of the internet uh that this time around india will break through and emerge uh, regardless of what politicians and bureaucrats do uh they can get out of the way they can be a little helpful but they can't make it happen ultimately it's up to the populace to make it happen um i was discouraged to see india banning uh or or shutting down all kinds of cryptocurrency exchanges because even though they are frothy and there are a lot of scams they they are technology and they are a way of financing technology expansion and they are a kind of a predictor of the future so india shouldn't be shutting itself out of these markets 
Um, but because of the way the internet just spreads information and the internet's native language is English also, I think India just stands to benefit a great deal from that. And so, you know, I, I, I would be willing to bet the timing is now or really soon. Hmm. No, uh, it's very, you know, and very important point you raised, Nawal, especially about the cryptocurrency and the way India, you know, went about it. Now, I, I completely agree with you uh, in terms of... Uh, you know, the readiness and understanding of crypto uh, when it comes to people who are trying to regulate it. or uh, But what? how would you address the concerns in whatever form that, you know, the, the, the regulators have been expressing around here? Uh, are some of those concerns uh, expressed globally as well with different, you know, when it comes to government? Yeah, absolutely. The concerns are valid. Uh, anytime you have a new market, especially one involving money, you'll get fraud and scam. It's just the nature of, of the beast. And you have to be willing to tolerate that if you want to reap the rewards down the line. If, if you insulate investors from risk, you also insulate them from reward. Uh, that just goes together. There's never been a system in the history of mankind that has managed to produce reward without risk. Um, it just doesn't last very long. So, uh, you know, I think they just have to kind of be dynamic and open-minded and watchful as opposed to static and just have strong declarations. The U.S. regulators have actually done a really good job. Um, they've shut down some of the f more fraudulent projects. They've put a lot of the others on notice. Uh, I would say in the U.S. right now, the industry is essentially being scared into compliance and some level of self-regulation. Uh, I do expect the regulators here will crack down on more fraudulent projects, and you know that's the right thing to do. But they're being methodical about it. It's not a blanket statement in one direction or another. I understand that in India's case, resources may be limited, the understanding may be limited, but India has enough smart people uh, that it can figure this out without having to take extreme viewpoints on one end or another. Mm. What gives you faith in crypto, Naval? Um, I, it's a very open question, but I want to understand at the core what, what makes you stay you know, invested in terms of your belief? What's interesting to me is that, uh, first of all, there's a number of fundamental technologies there that are being combined in an interesting way. Everything from peer-to-peer -peer networks and digital signatures to the solution to uh, the Byzantine general's consensus problem. Uh, but long way of saying that we have finally created a way to have online digital markets uh, that run themselves uh, without having a single corporation like an Uber or an Airbnb in charge or Google or Facebook in charge, without having a country or a government in charge, without having uh, an individual or a king or a tyrant in charge, and without having an aristocracy or an elite in charge. So crypto uh, networks and cryptocurrency-powered blockchains, public blockchains, give us ways of having governance without governments, uh, at least purely in the digital domain. And that's really important for the future of building, uh, you know, uh, sovereigns, free money, uh, of building, uh, you know, contracts that don't necessarily need lawyers or escrow agents, uh, of building marketplaces for energy and for power and for rights of way uh, and for bandwidth. So I think they, that it is sort of creating this whole new system of networks, and it's very much in the infancy. So right now we're just still in the infrastructure phase. We're trying to figure out how to make them scale, how to make them properly decentralized, how to make them properly programmable. Um, but it's, to me, it's very exciting technologically. Also, just if you step back for a moment, it sort of doesn't make sense for the internet, given everything that we do on the internet, for the internet not to have its own native currency. 
Um, so I, I just think that a programmable native currency, that code running on the internet, servers running on the internet, routers operating on the internet, can use and use to exchange and trade value and scarcity. Um, it's a very powerful thing. We finally created digital scarcity and digital value, uh, which is an important, uh, which is an important paradigm. It's it's not just digital abundance that we need to do. Um, so I know it's very fuzzy. That's why it's still a very small and frothy market. The entire cryptocurrency market today is valued at about $300 billion. That's not even half of one of the mega uh, giant unicorns uh, in, in Silicon Valley like Facebook or Apple. So I, I do believe there's still a long ways to go. Is the participation of countries like India or economies like India a make or break? Uh, or or how, do, how do you see crypto's future uh, in a world where some of the biggest economies are not embracing it. Will that be make or break at all? It could be. Uh, you know, if the if the global financial system starts moving at least partially towards uh, cryptocurrency based, and you can see there are all these startups now in Silicon Valley that are doing um, exchanges, derivatives, smart contracts, indexes, um, securitization. You know, they're now doing it all in crypto. So the first time you have permissionlessly programmable money and engineers are writing code to build things on top of it and other engineers are taking those code and writing more things on top of it it's very exciting and you could see in two to three years you have a parallel completely crypto wall street that is much better at doing uh financial transactions than even wall street is uh and that kind of innovation you know india is just shutting itself out of that um it's unfortunate because wouldn't you love to be the home of the next hong kong or the next uh london financial district or the next wall street and just by opting out of that game altogether is, is a little tragic. Uh, and then you're also just restraining all kinds of great engineers who could have built uh, applications on top of these de- and built decentralized networks or build the next decentralized Uber or the next decentralized Airtel. Um, they could have built these companies on top of the decentralized crypto network infrastructure, but now they don't really understand it or have exposure to it at the same level that they would in a country where it was more accepted. So once again, you're encouraging brain drain, you're encouraging fl- uh, intellectual capital flight, you're encouraging the best engineers to leave and go elsewhere. Uh, and you know, that's something India doesn't need. I, I feel like India was just on track to keep its homegrown entrepreneurs local. Uh, but now the ones who are properly interested in blockchains and crypto are being pushed out. I think, no, I completely agree with you, Naval. Uh, the other point, Naval, last few questions, is that uh, some of these waves can be life-threatening for, for startups or companies, right? Now, when it comes to Angel it's, it's itself, uh, you know, do, do you, do, what do you think? I mean, what could, what could kill AngelList? You know, I think ICOs are definitely a phenomenon that, that will take away a lot of the financing activity from seed stage, and I think that's why we built CoinList. But that seems to be happening much more at the later level. It doesn't seem to be happening at the angel seed level. Um, I have a hard time seeing what's going to disrupt angelist talent and recruiting. It's basically a free service with a few premium features, uh, and people love it. It's opt-in, non-spammy. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't see the near-term disruptors. It's not to mean they couldn't happen. Um, they can always happen. The industry is always changing. Um, but right now, I don't see it. I see the big disruption disruptions are happening around blockchains, uh, VR, AR, still promising, although maybe further away than we had thought. 
uh, autonomous vehicles are very interesting. CRISPR is interesting. SAS continues to be interesting. Mobile continues to be interesting. If anything, Angelus was founded on the premise that there were going to be more and more technology companies. The more technology companies there are out there, the more value a platform or aggregator in the cloud provides. And the number of technology companies, the number of technology entrepreneurs, the number of people who are technology savvy continues to increase. And I don't think that's going to slow down. Um, you know, I still look forward to the day when every child, uh, in addition to reading, writing, and arithmetic, also becomes adept at computer science uh, and, you know, views technology and the tools afforded by technology as a core part of their career and their birthright and their work. Um, so I, I don't see the trend disappearing. We, Angelus could stumble, Angelus could fall, but I don't think that'll be because technology stops being interesting. That would be more just our mistake. Uh, Angelus is also a lot about you, Naval, as as its uh, founder, the you know the most dom you know dominant and visible face around Angelus. Now, uh, how good or bad it is uh, when it comes to the startup itself? That's bad, right? A, a startup should be independent and standalone; shouldn't have to rely on any one personality. Uh, I'm not sure how widely this is known, but I haven't been CEO of Angelus for almost a year. Um, you know, I've been chairman and I'm still very involved, but I spent most of last year helping getting CoinList built and off the ground. Uh, and right now, you know, there are CEOs inside Angelus. Kevin Laws runs the whole thing. Ryan Hoover runs Product Hunt. Amit Matani runs Talent. Uh, Utsa runs the India program. Uh, and uh, Paul Davison runs CoinList. And so I work with all of the CEOs to keep it going. But the reality is day to day, I'm not the person driving it forward. Um, and to whatever extent people have an impression that I'm making it all, ha all happen, it's kind of just an illusion. It's, it's, uh, it's there for simplicity, uh, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the way things are going on. Uh, I mean, as you can see, I spend a lot of my time all over the place on crypto, on Twitter, on, uh, on CoinList, on AngelList. Um, so, I mean, I'm still committed to making it successful. Uh, and, and being helpful, but really it's, it's, a, it's an incredible team of all, almost 100 people um, across the, the different businesses that push it forward. Now, in your own experience, Naval, when do you think it's a good time to, you know, I, I'm not saying uh, moving away to new ventures and new ideas from the startup that you built, but, uh, you know, more like putting a, a team uh, in which is taking it forward. I mean, from what you are doing, I mean, you clearly are, you know, getting involved with building new things. Uh, so, so as an entrepreneur, how do you make those decisions? When do you know it's the time to do the new thing? For me, it became obvious probably a little too late, but there came a time when I realized that Angelus needed to hire more people and scale up. Uh, and I am just a small company person. And I don't like to manage or work with big teams. So I was artificially holding it back uh, because of what I like to do. And the business needed something different than what I was necessarily the best at. And so I handed it off to people who are good at scaling and who are ambitious about building it larger. And I stepped into a role where I can be more creative, which is really my core strength. Uh, and I like to be creative about technology. So CoinList would never have been built if I hadn't had the time and I wouldn't have the time if I'd been able to step away from being operational at AngelList. So, I, I, you know, it was probably became obvious to me too late, uh, like it probably does to most founders, but it's kind of a necessary part of growing up. There are a few founders who take it the distance, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg obviously enjoys 
learning and scaling with his company. Uh, and he wants to be uh, a manager and operator of a big company. Uh, that's not me. I'm just more creative and free form. So you just have to recognize your own strengths and weaknesses. And it, it helps to have people around you who can be objective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are you seeking, Naval? I mean, one is your own entrepreneurial journey. And the other is what, you know, we are beginning to discover, you know, as, as you start sharing your insights about life, work, and everything, right, on Twitter. Very interesting threads. Uh, what are you really seeking as an entrepreneur as a, or as an individual? I'm not really seeking anything right now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there's anything I'm seeking, it's a, I'm seeking to not seek anymore, right? It's, we just spend so much of our life in pursuit of things that I think we miss the journey itself. And these days... Um, to the extent that I catch myself seeking things, I try not to seek too much. Uh, I, I'm always interested in uh, learning and reading, but not for any end goal. I just enjoy the act of learning and reading itself. So uh, I read a lot, I learn a lot, I get involved in new technology projects and investments and, and engage on AngelList to the extent that I find it intellectually and creatively interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm sharing things on Twitter as I learn them um, mostly as art, it's a form of self-expression. I'm not trying to get anything out of it. I'm not charging anything for it. You know, I, I, I grew up poor and not very happy. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I have some money and I like to think I'm pretty happy. Uh, and maybe it was, it was an accident. Maybe it's correlated. But I like to think that I also worked on it. And so I'm happy to share uh, my learnings to the extent that it's useful to other people. But I don't actually want anything out of it. So... I don't charge any money for it. I'm not trying to build a giant audience. I'm not trying to build a media empire. You know, I've probably turned down literally 100 podcast appearances this year, if not more. Um, and it's just a frequent thing where people want me to come and speak and be some kind of motivational speaker. And I'm not trying to motivate anybody, <laughs> right? And, and, and at some level, if you need someone externally to motivate you to do things, then you're, you're probably not going to do them. Uh, it has to be intrinsic. But for people who are curious, I'm happy to share. And it also helps me connect with like-minded people that I can learn from. Uh, but I would say right now, uh, I'm not seeking anything. Well, I think I'll leave you right there. I, you know, it's 24 minutes. I'm, I'm, I don't want to take more time, but I think it makes sense to me. And, and I only <laughs> request that you keep expressing yourself the way you are. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, the, the one thing that Utsa wanted me to uh, put on your radar is that he is organizing a uh, Angelus India Summit in November. Mm -hmm. um, so there's going to be, uh, you know, probably an uh, invitation for Indian investors mm -hmm. uh, to basically understand how early stage technology investing works and how we can be helpful, mm -hmm. uh, at least with the online component. Um, so there's that thing that he's putting together. Awesome, Noble. And, uh, you know, I really admire you and happy to partner with Utsav and anyone to make things more beautiful. I'll do that. Thank you. And I apologize for having been no, so difficult no. to get a hold of. <laughs> it's worth it, Noel. You take care. You take care and, and keep expressing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Noel. Take care.